Welcome back, humor consumers, to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine. My bestie. Yeah. <laughs> Today, we're coming uh, with the topic of worry. Mm. <laughs> what say you about worry? <laughs> Isn't that exciting? <laughs> it's funny because our podcast is titled Life Happens Laugh Anyway. I know. Which we can. Exactly. We, you know, worry happens. You could still laugh anyway. Yeah, you can. Yeah. And, you know, I always say this at my events. You cannot laugh and think about your problems at the same time. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Try it. Right. Try laughing out loud and thinking about anything. Mm-hmm. You can't. Well, you can't think about two things at once. That's true. According to this book we're going to talk about. Yeah. Well, this is episode number 19. So we're very excited mm-hmm. that we've stuck with it. 19 times. Right. (laughs) Let's see if we get to 20. Um, Today we have three defined takeaways. We hope there are more takeaways than this, but these are the three takeaways if you stick with us all the way to the end, which is the whole design of a podcast. Right. So hang in there with us. Yeah, stay with us. Right. We're going to define worry. That's takeaway number one. Uh Okay. We're going to define it. And then we're going to share some worry remedies. Right. How to fix it. Mm -hmm. So what is it? How do you fix it? And then finally, we're going to kind of give a little overview of the classic book by Dale Carnegie, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Definitely. He's a legend. He is. Mm -hmm. In the self-help genre. Right. He's kind of like a founding father. Right. I think. I mean... I don't know. That's if they, what I found. Yeah, I don't know if they had self-help books before there was really publishing. You know, like did scribes write things down? <laughs> you know, help yourself. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I think they probably got tired of that. But, mm-hmm. um, and by the end of this podcast, it is our hope, right, that that this listening to us for the next whatever it is. Usually, it's about forty-five minutes to an hour. Right. By the end of this hour or less, our hope is that you'll have one thing pulled out of it. Yeah. At, at least one thing. Yeah, just one. Yeah. Just one. Maybe more. Maybe more. But even if you just have one thing. That's that a you, win. Yeah. And you can put it into practice today. Right. So, okay. All right. So clear your schedule. Hang mm-hmm. with us for at least an hour and see what happens. What does God have in store? And of course, we're going to share some spiritual inspiration with you as we get uh, toward the end, and we cannot go on without talking about our faithful sponsors, Muffin and Pooh. That's right. Yeah. What would you like to say to Muffin and Pooh today, Catherine? Thank you. Yes, thank you. And keep it up. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Get out there and work. Right. Gosh, that's so funny. Mm. You know, we well, you know this because you're my bestie, but my husband is now 55, and he can officially retire if he wants to, mm-hmm. but he can't. I mean, he could, but he can't because, you know, we're not, like, I don't work. So <laughs> nobody pays me to do things. Yeah. Somebody's got to do the work. Somebody? Yes. Yeah. I love so, that. Yeah. So Little. keep it up, Muffin and Pooh. Right. Because we're dependent on you for things like food. All right. <laughs> and this. Right. All right, Kat. Well, let's let's dive right in and let's define worry. What yeah. did you find? Well, first of all. I want to say where I'm getting this from. Okay. So I have this book. It's written by Dr. Linda Mintel. Hopefully I'm saying that right. And her, the name of her book is called Letting Go of Wor- Worry mm-hmm. and God's Plan for Finding Peace and Contentment. And I actually took her workshop at this big conference. Mm. Um, I think it was in 2011. And she had just written this book. And she herself had struggled with worry. And then she learned how to manage her worry, and she even taught her clients how to manage worry. And then she realized it's not the right thing to do. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Well, wait. Why? Why wasn't it the right thing to do? Because you shouldn't. Um, we naturally adapt. We naturally manage our worry, whereas really we should be learning how to. We can't eliminate it completely. But we need to learn how to um, not worry, just not worry. So that so that there's a difference between managing it and um, learning how to kind of eliminate it and just be concerned and move on. 
Okay. You know, problem solve, kind of like what Dale Carnegie okay. teaches. So the picture that comes into my mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, because we you we do different research as we come to the table, mm-hmm. and then we just have a discussion. So what I'm picturing, this just comes into my brain, is a dandelion in the grass. And okay. if you, or any kind of a weed in the grass, and if you just pull it off, like to remove the head of it, the weed is still there, but you're constantly going back, pulling it off, pulling off, because it's going to keep on sprouting up. Yeah. So it sounds like this author, at least I hope anyway, that her ultimate goal of writing the book is not just to have you pulling dandelion heads all day long. Mm-hmm. Get to the Get root. Get to the root. Yeah. What's causing the worry? Yeah. And deal with that. So you're dealing with the true cause rather than the symptoms. Right. Oh, right. I got so, something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is such a good book. I, I would highly recommend it. And of course, um, Dale Carnegie's book as well. But if you're really struggling with worry and anxiety, I would definitely recommend this book as well. Well, and just for our listeners, no extra charge. We will put a link to the book, mm-hmm. both books, in the show notes. We get nothing out of that, just so you know. It's not like <laughs> we're trying to sell books, <laughs> but we're trying to solve problems. And so we'll, right. we'll put that in the show notes. Exactly. Okay, remind me so I don't forget. Okay. All right. Okay, so the definition of worry. All right. I'm trying to read and be right in front of the microphone. So this is tricky. <laughs> you're, you're doing a great uh, job. I got to take my glasses <laughs> off. <laughs> I should take a picture of you doing this. Okay. So what is worry? The word worry is related to the ancient German word worgen. 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 And I hope that's how you say it. I can't imagine that it would be worgen. But anyway, we'll have to ask Luke. He speaks German. Oh, yes. Do ask him. All right. Wergen, my son. Wergen. Okay, go ahead. You know, I bet you it's actually Vergen. Oh, probably. Because they, they, tri- they trip you up that way. Yeah, they do. <laughs> to trick you. <laughs> Tricky German. Right. So it means to strangle. So. Oh. Now, isn't that a pleasant thought? Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, it's ap- it's apropos, as they say. Yes. <laughs> Also known as appropriate. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so, and then in Webster's 1828 dictionary, it defines worry as to disturb, to tease, to harass, and to weary. So there's nothing positive coming from the word worry. So um, to the worrier, the future is perceived as potentially negative, which creates feelings of anxiety. So that's kind of like the bottom line of worry. So um, I, I'm just summarizing. Mm-hmm. Thinking of the future brings negativity. That That's kind of like the summary of worry. Exactly. You think about the future with negativity. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, pessimism instead of optimism. Yeah. Okay. Right. That's right. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, we got it defined. We have it defined. And then in this book, I, I wanted to point out, too, that she makes some really good points about worry, which we said we would go over. So I'm flipping to the page. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that she says is that is she asks the question, is it a byproduct of life's uncertainty? And we, we do make it into that, according to her. She's a doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I said that. Of psychology? Yeah, okay. or psychiatry. In that one realm. Of, yeah, right. I think she can prescribe medicine. From the neck so. up. She's on the neck <laughs> up instead of the neck down. That's right. Okay. All right. And she says that w- time and again, we take normal situations of life and we ter- turn them into worry moments. Mm-hmm. And it after a while, it just becomes a habit. And we have hundreds of opportunities to be worried about something. And so she gives examples like, you know, will my son make the soccer team mm-hmm. and uh, and on and on. Those are those those are simple things. But then we have things that are um, more serious worries. Oh, sure, like life or death things. Right, exactly. Health concerns, yeah. maybe divorce. Those are things to mm-hmm. be she says concerned about, but we don't have to worry about them. Because the worry is when um well, I'm not going to be very good at, at um, describing it on my own. Let me see. Um, well, worry is just something that we are turning into. It's more make something we've made up in our minds. 
So, so, it's so not, the fear that we can imagine mm-hmm. is far worse than the actual reality that we're experiencing. Our brain has the potential yeah. to create in our mind a much scarier monster than is in front of us. Exactly. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> right. I'm here to bring in all the metaphors. <laughs> I'm like, wait, where was this in the book? <laughs> I didn't write the page down. Anyway, well, so. I, th- I can relate to that. I can relate to that mm-hmm. as a 55 year old mother of five sons that are all grown now mm-hmm. and just experiencing life, you know, um, looking back over the last 30 years of raising kids. I can say, yeah, there were often times when I was like afraid, mm-hmm. you know, for their for their physical health, mm-hmm. for their emotional health, for their education for finances, all all the things. Right. And that's what she was saying about normal situations Mm -hmm. that, you know, we turn them into worry or we we have the potential to. There's lots of opportunities to turn in a concern or something into a worry. Right. Exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about how I used to be, my dad used to call me a worry wart. Oh, he did. He did. He used to say, oh, don't be a worry wart. My grandma on his side was a worry wart. Mm -hmm. And I actually read in this book, it is genetic. Well. It can be genetic. I would, I can understand that. Mm -hmm. And so, so there lies the the big question about um, psychiatry and psychology. Is it environmental or is it genetic Mm -hmm. or is it both? And I don't know that we'll ever really understand and know. Mm-hmm. Either way, it doesn't really matter what the source of it is in terms of right. there it is. That's right. Right. So I was struggling with worry quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I remember you lent me that book by mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie. Mm-hmm. And that really did help. And yeah. the, the um, steps that one can take and the, you know, the way you can train your brain to think, which we'll get into that later. But... That really helped me. I loved it. Well, that's that's the good news of this podcast. Right. Is that there is a solution mm-hmm. for the worry problem. And I guess on the spectrum of things in terms of like the degree or the level to which you're worrying about something, as you pointed out, there's a difference between being just concerned and being worried. Right. And leading to and then it can lead into an anxiety. Right. And then you can actually have like anxiety attacks, which I had two of them. Over, oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. Not over, um, not, it was the craziest thing. It wasn't over finances or kids or something like that. It was claustrophobia. I had, yeah. I had two mm-hmm. a, a legit anxiety attacks. So I can understand the feeling of not being able to breathe. Feeling the, the chest heaviness. Yeah, the panic that it, sets oh, in. panic, yes. That's a good word for that. It mm-hmm. is absolutely a panic attack, an anxiety attack. And so Catherine and I are here for you listeners. There's no shame in my game. <laughs> There's no shame in my panicked game. Yeah. I legit have had that problem. And there are solutions out there. Mm-hmm. There are solutions out there. So we're here to try and bring some some solutions, some ease, some um, like soothing, so, soothing salve is what I'm looking for. That oh, word. Oh, very nice. A little salve for mm-hmm. your owie. Yeah. Butter. Put That's some a- butter on your burn. <laughs> remember that on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Put, put butter on put it. Put butter on it. Well, that's because that's what every mother ever <laughs> said. You did something and they just said, put butter on it. <laughs> Like, that's so, so great. I don't remember my mom ever saying that, but I know many did. My grandma did. Did she? Yeah. Put some butter on it. Butter solves everything. Well, it does. I'd put it in my oh, mouth. I'd be my like, I'm gosh. happy. Yes. <laughs> Fry it up, whatever. Mm. Yeah. But this doctor, we're moving on. Mm, okay. And she says there's a great difference. Or actually, she t- takes this quote from Harold Stevens, and he says there's a great difference between worry and concern. A worried person sees a problem, and a concerned person solves a problem. Wait, 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 wait. Beep, beep, beep. Back it up. Mm-hmm. Say it one more time. There is a great difference between worry and concern. A worried person sees a problem. Sees the problem. Yeah. Does nothing, basically, is what that means. So... 
A concerned person solves a problem. So, and the only difference between the two is where your focus is. Yeah, and where your action is, really, too. Well, if you've got your mindset focused on the problem Mm -hmm. and not the solution, Mm -hmm. then that's worry. So you're saying you only see the problem. You see the problem. You're focused on the problem. You're meditating on the problem. You're you're putting it over and over in your mind, and you're you're just hyper about the problem. Yeah. So in worry, you kind of circle the problem. Yeah. You just circle but you around don't, it. You don't look at what the solutions could be. Right. And concern, you you solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Worry brings inaction. Concern brings action. Worry feels out of control. Concern takes control where possible. Uh, worry distracts from the problem and concern focuses on the problem. I love it. Yeah. And worry, I, this one especially, I have struggled with in the past. Worry dis, disrupts a plan and concern puts forth a plan. And I can't remember where I read um, this, but I read it while doing this research, that some people who struggle with worry um, struggle with procrastination. Oh, yeah. And I I know I do that. So Okay, so so again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm just trying to react and respond to what what you're saying and what's coming into my brain. Mm -hmm. And so it could be wrong. But what I'm hearing you say is that if we're constantly focused on the problem and the pain of the problem or the disruption of the problem or whatever, then that distracts us from actually doing something about the problem. Yes. Because we can't think. Exactly. You you can't think clearly. Exactly. Which kind of, which brought me to, um, why do we do it? So why do we do, why do we worry like that? Why do we, yeah, why, why do why, we, why, Catherine? Why do we not solve the problem? Right. Well, sometimes for some people, and I, I can understand this, worry makes us feel like we're doing something. It's true. It actually, you don't realize it, but it does make you feel like you're doing something. You're, you're concerned, you're worried, you, you know, and also. It's, it's like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. They're not moving. They're, they're fixated on the headlights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Right? So they're right. not going anywhere and they're filled with fear. Yeah. And then, th- and then mm-hmm. they can't move. That's right. Sad. And it is sad. It is. Yeah, because like I said, I've, I've been there. Anyway. And also we blindly accept worry as a normal part of being, which I said that earlier. Of, of just being just, alive. Mm-hmm. I think especially as mothers in the in the area of parenting, mm-hmm. we just accept that, you know. Exactly. That's exactly the part of the problem. We just accept it. And it's easy to hang on to. That's another reason why we worry. It's mm. just some ways it seems easier. And it kind of is easier, according to this doctor. Well, and I, again, I haven't read the book that you're holding right there, mm-hmm. but I'm just going based on experience. Mm-hmm. In some cases, it could be that when you're focused on the worry, right, and, mm-hmm. then, and then you have something to complain about. Yeah. And then you're a victim. Yes. And then you're getting attention from either whoever you're complaining she, to about. Right. Right, she does cover oh, that she as does. well. Yeah. See, I could mm-hmm. be one of her exhibits. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an yeah. example. Yeah. Of what not to do. Yeah. But she defines, if I remember right, like kind of defines those that are seeking sympathy and um, and even attention in their worry state. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of different, like, I guess you could say tributaries, like. Well, yeah. I mean, human behavior is a thing. Mm -hmm. The human brain is a thing. Yeah. It's like a big old frontier. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Bummer. (laughs) Well, (laughs) but we could do something about it. It's actually fascinating. So we're looking at the glass half full here. Yes, we are. Yeah. So some things, too, I wanted to go over. Mm -hmm. See, I went away from the microphone again Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at... Oh, it passed this big old microphone. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to replace these microphones one day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what do you believe about worry? And while I flip to that page, maybe you could say what you believe about worry. Well, I've been kind of interjecting my beliefs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe that it's common 
a very common problem, yeah. especially for mothers, because yeah. I am one, and yeah. I get it. And women in general. I mean, she says that women worry more than men. Well, you know, I, I can see that for sure, because we tend to be more multitaskers. We've got a, b- a bunch of things juggling. I used to describe it like juggling flaming swords. That's what it felt like my life was for like 20 years. Yeah. You know, because well, was... we're just wired different. We you know, are. We... And in our role as a mother, you have different um, contributions, you know, to to the family unit. Well, and there's that um, expectation level. And I, I don't think it was in this book, but also I've read that American women in particular have so much to kind of live up to and to compete with. Yeah. Plus, and, there's, there's, there's the physical the hormones and how yeah. how our hormones go cuckoo cuckoo. Yes, <laughs> I mean, so I'm I'm just saying that women, yeah, we, yeah. I I can see why that's generally true. Now we live in a time when you can't say, you know, you have to say, well, it could be the other way too, you know, because otherwise you're labeled as, well, that's being gender specific or whatever Mm. but i'm just giving my testimony my experience of being a woman being a mother Mm -hmm. being a wife working having hormones that go cuckoo for cocoa puffs yeah yeah you know as you're saying that i was thinking about when i was a young adult Mm -hmm. i worried about this i worried about that and i actually i remember sharing some of it with my dad and he used to say all the time, don't borrow trouble. Yeah. And that, his voice, and that just rings in my head a lot. <laughs> and then later in life, um, when we really were, we did have some things that were really n- not so good. And, and yeah. it created, first it was started as a concern, it festered and morphed into worry and anxiety. And again, my dad was saying, don't borrow trouble. You yeah. don't know. Yeah, right. You don't really know the truth of this. Right. Don't borrow trouble. Right. My dad used to say something similar, but with colorful language. Is that why you were just laughing to yourself yes. a second ago? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because Catherine knows my dad. Yeah. And both of our dads passed away like six months away from each other yeah. just in 2019 and 2020. Mm-hmm. And my dad's um, way of phrasing that, don't borrow trouble. Yeah. He would say, do your best and bleep the bleep. rest. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was just thinking, gonna there's to... going to be a pleep in there. Yeah. Yeah. That was him. I can't help it. Yeah. So some of the things that this uh, doctor, Linda Mintel, mm-hmm. that she says that we believe about worry. Um, she says, do I think that worry allows me to control external events? Some people feel that way. They feel that it allows them to in some odd way. So if you don't worry about something, then you're doing nothing. You're not concerned. Yeah. Okay. Does worry make me productive or non-productive? So she's, you know, having self-reflection in mm-hmm. here about what what do we believe about mm-hmm. worry? Does worry make things seem important? Kind of. It kind of mm-hmm. does. Right. I value you this know? thing, and so I'm gonna yeah. fret over it. Right. Uh, do I worry as a way to show people I care? Mm. I think that that's. I think I've been in that situation. Well, not, not even realizing it. Yeah, because if you're blasé, <laughs> does come across. Yeah, Catherine accuses me of that. I don't accuse yeah, you. you. Well, you, well, you tell me I am blasé. <laughs> so I guess that's more. Let's than an tell accusation. the listeners. But but you had asked me how you said. Yes. I think you said. How would I describe you? My attitude. Over overall attitude. Right. My attitude. And I was like, oh, easy. <laughs> blasé. <laughs> like I don't care. <laughs> And then, but in my yes. defense, hold on, I yes. gotta defend myself. Yes, here. I can see that. <laughs> in my defense, I and this is how I described it to you. I don't care about many things, mm-hmm. but the things I do care about, I those are the hills I'll die on. Like the things that I'm really passionate about. This is true. I, you are not gonna move that right. stone. Right. You're not gonna move that. Right. And you cross me in there, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to have an issue. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, look out. <laughs> if only. Yeah. If, if, if the listeners could see your face <laughs> like I'm seeing it. 
Yeah. Well, not only are you seeing it now, but you you've seen it for oh, yeah. 20 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you've been scared at times mm-hmm. because I'm blase, 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 blase. And then, and then boom, uh-oh. passionate. <laughs> uh-oh. This, this is what she cares about. <laughs> Look out. It's coming. Yeah. All right. And lastly, does worry prevent me from taking action because it feels like I'm doing something, which we kind of covered that already. Well, that's all good stuff, Catherine. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that from what's the name of the book again? It is Letting Go of Worry. Oh, Letting Go. Mm -hmm. Mm. And there's a good section in there. The difference between worry and concern, fear and anxiety and uh, how it morphs into other stages. So it's kind of like a cancer. Yeah. And it can spread and it can get worse. And so you you want to nip it in the bud when it's nippable. <laughs> right. Is that a word? Well, it is now. Okay. Right. All right. Are we fi- now are, have we fully defined worry? We're we're past that stage. And do you have more Well, we could talk about the difference between fear and worry. Okay, let's do that. We could do that. And then so let me flip to the page. Lan. Mm-hmm. In this awkward position again. <laughs> You're doing great. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, there is a difference between worry and fear. Fear is a warning system built into our bodies that it's a natural reaction to danger. And fear, it acts like an alarm. There's something there, like, say, a shark in the water. Right. And so that's that's a real thing. Right. Of, of course you're going to have fear. Or a lion chasing you. Or, or a lion. Yeah. Scary. One time I had bulls behind me chasing me. I, I literally did. Here we you go. You talk about fear. I turned around and... Did you feel it? You probably felt it physically in your whole body. Yes. Yes. And, and what did you do? Well, my mom was shouting from a distance, Catherine, don't turn around. <laughs> so, of course, I turned around and I saw these bulls that got loose from... This, they mm-hmm. were being transported. They got mm-hmm. loose. But anyway, we found that out later. And there they were with their big <laughs> nostrils. And I was like, ah! And I th- she probably said, don't run. Well, I ran. Well, did you know? they get you? No. Okay, good. No, did not. Good. I don't know if I'd be here today if they did. There mm. were several of them. Yeah. Yeah, right behind me. Okay. So that... <laughs> But anyway, so worry deals with what might happen. And it's a type of manufactured fear. Yeah. So fear is something real. real. Something's real. real. Right. Right. But um, fear is often at the heart of worry. She does say that, Mm -hmm. you know, it can Mm -hmm. start. And and it motivates us to, you know, like the what if cycle. What if this? What if that? Yeah, I've been on that unicycle. That's no fun. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it does uh, worry takes a real threat or a perceived danger, which is the fear, and turns it in uh, turns it into a way to focus on the uncertainty of the future. So, yeah. But um, and also from Psychology Today, this Dr. Edward Hallowell. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. He says worry is a special form of fear. And he explained that simple fear becomes more complex once we add anticipation, memory, imagination, and emotion to the mix. So that really makes That's sense. That's getting deep. Yeah, but it does help break down. Yeah. You know, difference. The, there's like layers. It's like an onion. Yeah. Right. Okay. So then, worry um, and anxiety. When we go into that, you might think that it's not that different from anxiety, but there is a difference. Anxiety has physical, uh, mental, emotional, and behavioral components to it. Yeah. So you add that to the mix, and then, you know, really it's it's like um, self-harassment. Mm-hmm. You're really just doing a number on yourself. Right. Yeah. So, but then the worry can trigger this anxiety if the worry goes unchecked. So, and it even, I thought this was interesting that, um, so once it goes unchecked Mm -hmm. and you can, um, have this GAD, generalized anxiety disorder. I never heard that before. Mm, I mean, I've heard of the other things that follow after that, like OCD and all these other things, but I hadn't heard of generalized anxiety disorder. So what does it mean exactly? So it's just a health anxiety. That's what that means simply put and actually hypochondria 
is categorized under that. It falls under that. And that's when your body shows signs that you're interpreting that you're ill in some way. Mm. It's falling under that category. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you really can worry yourself sick. Yep. Yes. And I say you're worried sick. Mm-hmm. You can. Right. All right. Well, that's when it goes into the. There's anxiety. hope. Hang in there, listeners. Yeah. Definitely. There's hope. Please hang in there. All right. So we've thoroughly now covered the definition of worry and all the different levels there. Now, let's talk about remedies. Okay. Let's fix it. We've identified the problem. Now let's fix it. (laughs) Let's fix it. Right. So talk about the book, um, Dale Carnegie. So we're getting these remedies from his book. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm flipping to my notes. Okay. The book is a classic, as we've said. And let's see, I've got to pull the book out, too, because, oh, sorry, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) clunky there. Um, It is a classic. I don't even remember how it got into my hot little hands. I think it was desperation. I think I was in a one of those seasons of time when I was worrying about lots of different things Mm -hmm. all at one time. Yeah. You know, that's a big thing. Yeah, it is. When people have more than one area that they're really concerned about and it's turned into worry. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to keep worrying. And somehow this book came across my path and I read it many mm-hmm. years ago. I don't know how many years ago, at least more than 10. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Because you lent it to me more than 10 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So it was way back when. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot out of it. And then I just reread almost the whole thing to prepare for today's podcast. And there's a there's a little summary. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say it's it's funny because I thought that I still had the book. So you lent it to me. Mm-hmm. And after you lent it to me, it helped me so much. I went and got a copy. Mm-hmm. And I had forgotten that I gave it to a friend who was in uh, the pits yeah. and just consumed with worry. Yeah. So I gave him a copy of the book. Mm-hmm. And getting ready for this podcast, I was like, oh, no, I started to worry because <laughs> I didn't have the book. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to do the research. So then I went and tried to find all these podcasts and things on yeah. the Internet about the book. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this podcast in time. And I thought, what am I doing here? You're worrying. I'm worrying. What can I do to solve the problem? Well, I had this other book. Yeah. So I used that and I used the internet. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought it was funny. Because it is funny. The irony there. Yeah. Well, so so the bottom line, and obviously we, we already said we're going to put in the show notes um, links to purchase the book if you'd like to purchase it, because it's not a once and done book. You don't just read through it one time and then you're done. Mm. It's, you know, that's like gone with the wind, right? <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> It's it's kind of like a manual for life, I yeah. think. If you really struggle with worry, this would be a book to get. Go ahead and get it physically. Get the physical book. Yeah. And um, there's instructions at the very beginning on how to read it. Mm-hmm. And he even says, when you read through one chapter, you're going to be ch- tempted to go to the next chapter because that's how we read books, right? Right. Typically. Mm-hmm. He says, stop. Go back and reread the chapter that you just read. Oh. So read through it twice. Mm -hmm. And he said to read it with something to mark it up with in your hands, like Mm -hmm. either a pencil or highlighter or whatever you use. Mm -hmm. I think he said crayon. I'm like, that's that's an old term. I don't even know if the young people know what crayons are. (laughs) (laughs) Crayons, whatever they are. Anyway, so so he gives instructions in the beginning to read each chapter twice and and highlight it with whatever and then at the end to really think about your own situation mm. and and you know get so you're he's taking you through like an exercise yeah and then he goes further to say you should reread it every month mm. i'm like okay if i'm reading the book reading every chapter twice <laughs> and then read uh, this is the only book i've got to read <laughs> but if if worrying is something that consumes you yeah follow this advice until you get stronger Mm -hmm. you know it's almost like starting a new workout routine you know right and until you build those muscles to where you're just automatically thinking about problems in the proper terms perspective yeah having the right perspective having balance and going through the steps it's a step-by-step thing all you have to do is follow it yeah step one step two right and his book wouldn't have sold so many copies if he, if this wasn't a successful plan 
It's um, it says right on the cover. It's time tested methods. Oh, there, see. for conquering worry. Mm. And um, if you read anything at all about Dale Carnegie, well, he was born in the 1800s. He died in the 1950s. He started out life dirt poor. Yeah, I read that. Dirt poor mm-hmm. in Missouri. Yeah. You know, and back then in the 1800s in Missouri, there probably were real things like buffalo and lions and things out there. Lions <laughs> and tigers and bears. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, that this was when there was lots of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he became a salesman. Yeah. Car salesman. Yeah. He was selling stuff and he was he hated it. He would he yeah. was good at it or whatever, but he hated it, and he just it was eating him up inside. Yeah, and you know I was side note I read that it was like 1906 when he was selling cars. I'm like, wow, yeah. they were just right. manufacturing the, the, the them. crank kind, probably. Yeah. I don't know. No wonder he hated it. It right. was probably people were like, no, I'd rather have my horse. <laughs> <laughs> Wilbur here, he's faithful. Yeah. Horsepower, right? <laughs> Get it? Yeah. Wink, wink. <laughs> exactly. So he he ended up quitting his job that he hated, and he started teaching adult courses on how to do public speaking and such. And that's where he started. He he discovered that a lot of adults were just fraught with worry. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And people would just come to him with, you know, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. So then he started to put together this book, and Mm -hmm. he tested it. Yeah, I think he said, I think I read that he said that he, oh, yeah, I wrote it right here. He said, I presume I've listened to more talks on how I conquered worry than has any other individual that has walked the earth. That's what he said. Well, I mean. He asked his students. Well, I think he he was in the laboratory of life. Yeah. He really was. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I think we're all kind of in the laboratory. Mm Mm-hmm. We're, we're learning things. Like, people could be listening to us talking right now, and they're going, yes, that's me. Yeah. That's happened to me. I've worried about things to the point of anxiety mm-hmm. or, you know, or yeah. physically ill. Yeah. Um, oh. You know? So, so these are common shared experiences that we have as human beings. Mm-hmm. Well, one of, one of the first things in the book is so interesting. It's um, part one, chapter one, and he says you should live in day-tight compartments. Yes. But I remember that from the first from the time first I time. read it. Because it makes sense. Yes. Don't borrow trouble. Yeah. And what Le- he means by day-tight compartments, mm-hmm. the sun comes up, the sun goes down, that's a day. Mm-hmm. Don't think about the past. Don't fret about the future stay present be in the moment do what you can today yeah and he shared an example from steamships that were built with these compartments below the ship so that if there was a breach in the hull mm-hmm. that the they they were watertight right compartments they would shut off the water from getting into the rest of the ship exactly except for the titanic what well, right that, that one didn't wrong work there <laughs> that was that was the engineering. I don't know what happened there. The they iceberg didn't plan was too for the big. iceberg the way it punctured it or something. Right. Anyway. But in in this example mm-hmm. of worrying, it's helping us to be in the present. Right. Don't worry about the past. It's done. There's nothing we can do about it. Right. Don't fret about the future. Most of it we can't do anything about. Just focus in on today. Mm-hmm. Do the best you can today. Yeah. With everything you got. Right. Live hard, live it, do it. Everything that you, like you said, everything that you've got, everything that you can put into it, do yeah. it. So that, so that is really great advice. Then he talks about the magic formula to solving worry problems. And he says, imagine, step one is imagine the worst. Yeah. It, just, so take any problem that you want. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the very worst that could happen? Yeah. That was another thing that stuck with me, too, that I remember. Yeah. I just never forgot that. Yeah. It, that, that, it helps. Right. So, like, I remember when I was in college worrying about my grades because mm-hmm. I, I had to study kind of a lot mm-hmm. to be able to get decent grades. Mm-hmm. And so a test would be coming. Mm-hmm. And so let's say that there's somebody listening who's in that situation where they're in school mm-hmm. and a test is coming. Well, imagine the worst case scenario. You fail. You fail the class. Okay. You flunk so then, out. Right. You you know, you and, go back home. Mm-hmm. Your parents hate you. 
<laughs> okay, so you imagine the absolute worst all the way to the worst of the worst of the worst. So yeah. you're going on the extreme. Because, mm-hmm. you know, those things are not going to happen for the, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is you, you, you have the step two is be willing to accept the worst. Right. So imagine the worst is step one mm-hmm. and then be willing to accept the worst if it does happen. Mm-hmm. That's step two. Right. So now your parents hate you and they've kicked you out and you're homeless. Accept it. Mm-hmm. That's step two in our example. Mm-hmm. Now, step three is where you get busy and you get to work. Yeah. Then you, you, okay, so now you've already imagined the worst that could happen. Mm-hmm. And you've accepted that if it does happen, you, you, you can be okay. You're going to go live at the Y, right. you know, or in a box mm-hmm. or whatever. <laughs> it's going to be all right. Yeah. Then step three is you get to work. Get busy. You get busy and you get to work doing everything possible yeah. that you can control, that you can do to prevent the worst thing from happening. Right. So Try that, to do something you can control. Right. So yeah. what are you going to do? You're going to get a tutor. You're going to read the chapters over and over. You're going to study. You're going to go to class. You're going to listen. You're going to ask questions. You're going to go to the teacher. You're going to get a study buddy. All the things. Mm-hmm. If you put all this down on paper, this this is where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. You write it down. And in this book, it's a paperback book that I bought, they give you pages where you can actually do that. Write in them. Yeah, you can yeah. you can write in the book, which is awesome. And doesn't it say that 90% of the worry problem is solved just by analyzing your worry and taking those steps, writing it yeah. down, and then coming up with a plan of action? Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, one, one of the things I wanted to relate to that was when, when I was diagnosed with cancer. When, when I first got the diagnosis of breast cancer, I cried. Yeah. I bawled. I couldn't stop crying. And it was like three days like that, which doesn't sound like a long time, but it felt like forever. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, okay, I would get up in the morning and I would, I would be determined. Like in my head, I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to cry on the second day. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm done crying. I cried yesterday. And then I get out of bed and I go, cancer. (laughs) And then the tears would come again. Mm And I don't know why it was four days, but on the fourth day, it was just like Jesus. You know, he was dead for three days. And then on the fourth day, he rose again. Something just shifted in my fourth day. Mm-hmm. When I when I got up, mm-hmm. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm mm-hmm. done crying. And now I got to get to work. Mm-hmm. I've got to get to work. And I didn't list, um, you know, like on a sheet of paper necessarily everything. But I started doing my research of you know, what doctor do I want to go to? What hospital do I want to go to? You know, and mm-hmm. and I was too busy to be crying. Mm-hmm. I remember when you did that. Yeah, because, yeah. You, you know, you got, you got stuff to do mm-hmm. when you have that situation. Right. All right. Um, other things. Let me look at this. There, there are many, many, many things online that you can look up about this classic book, How yeah. to Stop Worrying, Start Living. I found living. a lot. And I, had, I checked with Tracy beforehand. I said... I don't know what part of this is actually, because it's been a long time since I read the book, you yeah. know, and I said, I don't want to misquote this book. Yeah. Well, I so. think I think that a lot of these summaries that you can find are pretty accurate, you know, because this book has been around for so long. A lot of people, um, you know, take a look at it. Mm-hmm. So here's in part two of the book. He talks about basic techniques in analyzing worry. And he gives steps. Step one is get the facts. Mm -hmm. Collect all the facts that you can about whatever the problem is. Mm -hmm. Without the facts, you just fill in the blank inside of your head. And create things. Yeah, that's not good. Not necessarily truth. Yeah. And like, let's say, for example, a financial problem. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. Get the facts. Mm -hmm. How much money is actually coming in? How much money is going out? Where can we cut back mm-hmm. what do we have to pay this month yeah what can you know what i mean it gives you a sense of control too right when you're on it even if you don't have any money the fact that you are paying attention and you're not avoiding it right. creating things in your head right it's such a help to just tackle it right it, it's a perfect quote that carnegie puts here in his book it says a problem well stated is a problem half solved hmm so get the facts, get every all the things that are going on with whatever the problem is. Mm-hmm. Um, analyze the facts. Make a list of all of your options. When analyzing the facts, Carnegie suggests 
that you pretend you are reviewing the information for another person. This will help you take an impartial view. Oh, yeah, I can get. All right. So, you know, try to try to be impartial, mm-hmm. not emotional. All right. Um, and then step three, arrive at a decision, then act on that decision. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, first one, again, is just get the facts, what's going on, analyze the facts, mm-hmm. and then come up with a decision, mm-hmm. which what, what are you going to do? Yeah. And then do it. Right. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Another uh, part three of the book is how to break the worry habit before it breaks you. Mm-hmm. In a nutshell, part three provides the reader with actionable advice that can help break the worry cycle. Okay. Yeah, that's, all, that's all life it is. It is a cycle. It is. It's just like a rut. Mm-hmm. And your wagon wheel gets in that rut, and now that's the way you're, the direction you're going. Right. So he, give, uh, he gives a bunch of tips, and then he talks about a stop-loss order, which oh. I, I, I'm not familiar with those financial terms. It's something to do with the stock market. Yeah. And when you put in a stop-loss order, it's kind of like you tell your broker, that's it. If the yeah. stock comes down to, to this, this price, that's it. I'm don't, out. Don't let it go any lower. <laughs> Sell. <laughs> stop. Okay. So... The advice that Carnegie gives is to do that with your things that you're worrying about. So allow it to have only so much of your energy and your mm-hmm. brain space mm-hmm. and then be just done with it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they give this example, which I'm laughing because Catherine sometimes is late <laughs> for things. <laughs> and it says, Dale Carnegie realized that this concept can easily be transferred into other parts of life besides financial matters. If you, for example, have a friend who is always late for a lunch date, you can tell her, quote, Catherine, my stop loss order on waiting for you is exactly 10 minutes. If you are not here by then, then I'll be out of here. And it doesn't say Catherine. I, I inserted oh, that. Well, thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. According to Carnegie, this piece of advice is the greatest secret to true peace of mind. So it's basically giving your brain permission to stop worrying about X, Y, Z. Yeah. Just to clarify, I'm not late anymore. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's good. I'm not. Okay. Uh All right. (laughs) That's good. Uh Part four yes part four um and part four of the book he gives seven ways to cultivate a mental attitude that will bring you peace and happiness Mm. and it says here that um dale carnegie was once asked what was the biggest lesson he ever learned the answer was easy quote by far the most vital lesson i have ever learned is the importance of what we think if i knew what you think would know what you are Mm. not who you are what you Mm. are if you think fearful thoughts you are fearful Mm -hmm. if you think miserable thoughts you become miserable and if you think happy thoughts you guessed it you become happy he followed the statement by referring to eight words uttered by the roman empire marcus aurelius quote eight words that can determine your destiny our life is what your thoughts make it, end quote. Mm. I think that our thoughts are pretty powerful. Definitely. Yeah, so that's perfect. And, four. you know, that makes sense when you were describing what he said about what you are. Yeah. If you think about it, how often would we say, you are miserable? Right. Or she is happy. Right. She is a worrier. Right. Is equals what you are, actually. Well, and I think that it's better... That it's what instead of who, because you can change a what, but you can't Mm. change a who. Mm. Who you are is created by Almighty God. Mm -hmm. Who you are is saved by the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Who you are is um, created with a purpose, you know, for love, for joy, for abundance. Mm -hmm. That's who you are. What you are is, you know, it's really up to you, really, and what you think about and what you do. and. 
I mean, that's the way I'm interpreting it. I, I'm I'm sure that there's room for improvement on my anal analysis, mm. but. All right, let's move to part five, the perfect way to conquer worry. As I mentioned earlier, Dale Carnegie was born and brought up on a Missouri farm. His family was poor and times were tough. As a religious family, they often turned to God for mental strength through prayer. In, the cha in this chapter, Carnegie recommends that the readers try praying in order to ease their worries. Even if you don't believe in God, and even if you are a skeptic when it comes to religion, praying can help us to articulate our worries. It provides a sense of not being alone in the world. It gives the needed energy to take action. Hmm. Yeah, that was part five of the book, The Perfect Way to Conquer Worry. And as our listeners, if you're a regular listener, as you may know, Catherine and I are women of faith. And we that's why we're doing this podcast is to bring a topic of information in an entertaining way, followed by spiritual inspiration. And so that would be something that we would 100 um, percent agree with. Definitely. You know, and, and as he as he said, um, the person who wrote the summary, even if you're not particularly religious mm -hmm. or you don't have the belief yet, still go and pray. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking to God. Mm -hmm. And and your faith may just blossom from that. Yeah. So, you know, it could have a twofold approach. It could help you with your worries and it could also help you spiritually. Mm -hmm. All right. Part six, how to keep from worrying about criticism. Oh. Yeah. Because that can be a big one. Yeah, it can be. First, he points out that unjust criticism is often a disguised compliment made by someone who is either jealous or feels envy. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. That's how I felt when the church ladies would come up to me about my gray hair <laughs> and say, it looks good on you, but I could never do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Backhanded compliment. Right. <laughs> okay, back to the book. Then he reminds us to always do the best we can. And by knowing we have done so, we can let all criticism fly right by. That's so true. Without taking notice of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With that said, remember to ask for constructive criticism as this will help you grow. Mm -hmm. The metaphor that they use in the book is the symbol of an umbrella. Okay. So when someone is criticizing you, mm -hmm. put the umbrella up in your mind. Okay. And let the criticism just roll off your umbrella. Oh. Don't yeah, let it go. Let, don't let it go to heart. Don't let it saturate you. No. Very good. Yeah. I, I do believe that that's true, that envy and jealousy gets into people's hearts and then they just look at you with a critical eye. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, part seven, six ways to prevent fatigue and worry and keep your energy and spirits high. That's a big one. Who doesn't feel fatigued? Yeah. From worry. This chapter emphasizes the power of preventing fatigue. Why am I writing a chapter on preventing fatigue in a book on preventing worry? That is simple because fatigue often produces worry, or at least it makes you susceptible to worry. Mm. So he's basically saying when you're tired, that's kind of like, I look at it in the spiritual realm, like when you're tired, that's when the devil's going to come get you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's when you're going to be tempted yeah. to do stupid stuff or say stupid stuff or get whatever. Get you when you're down. Yeah. Here is the advice he has for the reader. Rest before you get tired. So no, you're not the energizer bunny, mm -hmm. mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to, you need to rest before you get tired. Learn to relax at work and at home. Apply good working habits and do the most important tasks first. Reminds me of Brian Tracy's book, Eat That Frog. It's on, <laughs> it's on procrastination. Mm. And he says, if you have to eat a frog once a day, do it first. Get it over with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> eat that frog. Just mm -hmm. swallow it. Ugh. All right. And then finally, put enthusiasm into your work. Remember that worrying about insomnia will harm you much more than actually having insomnia. Mm -hmm. So he's basically saying take care of your rest. Yeah. You're a physical being. 
yeah. that requires rest. And I'm sure, so this is just a summary. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that he teaches yeah. the reader yeah. how to do these things. Because yes, people a... who are struggling with that are like, oh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> but I can't do it. Help me. Yeah, <laughs> the, that's why you have to reread each chapter and then read the book once a month. Yeah. Right? And you know, you'll get it all down. All right, there's only one more part and then the conclusion of this summary. All right, part eight, How I Conquered Worry, 31 True Stories. This part we will leave unsummarized except for telling you that if you buy the book, you're in for a real treat. The book ends with 31 true and inspiring stories about how people in the real world conquered their worry habit. Cool. Yeah, and I found that to be true of the way that Dale Carnegie writes. Mm-hmm. He just gives example after example after example of a true life story. Yeah. And it's fascinating all the way from sports figures to presidents mm-hmm. to, you know. That's what this doctor does in this book as well. Yeah. She has a lot of examples, true stories, and she even throws herself in there. Yeah. So here's the conclusion. Mm-hmm. Worrying can have a serious impact on our physical and mental health. In How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, Dale Carnegie encourages us to face our worry head on. He puts forth a series of strategies that can help us do exactly that. Mm -hmm. By nurturing a strong and positive mental attitude, you can fight your anxiety and find the courage to carry on in an unsure world and live every day to its fullest. Keep calm and carry on, yes. basically. Yes, that's like the motto. <laughs> right. And with that, we will soon conclude this summary of how to stop worrying and start living. Before we leave you, let us share some of our favorite quotes from the book with you. And then they've got little quotes here. Yeah, they so have we'll, 32 of them. So we'll put this in the show notes so that you can take a look at it. Mm-hmm. So to narrow it down... Mm-hmm. Basically, what it's saying is ask yourself the worst that can happen, yep. right? And just kind of, and then prepare to accept it mm-hmm. and then figure out how to improve on that or take some action. Do what you can. Right. 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 And I actually tried it out this morning. I have a particular issue, mm-hmm. right? So I wrote down the issue on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say the issue because everybody has an issue. Yeah. So just think of anything from... You know, minor to major. Right. I wrote down the issue on the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote down what are the possible solutions to the issue? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the solutions would probably put someone in jail. So I crossed that one off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it good might, choice. Right. Because it might have led to murder. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> well, <laughs> I went all that way in yeah. my brain. I'm like, well, yeah, something really bad could happen. That would be ultimately bad. So I crossed that one off. I'm yeah. like, that's not going to be a good option. Right. Well, then that left me two other options. One option was do nothing. Okay. And then what would that do? So I wrote all that down. Mm -hmm. And then the third option was talk to the person about it. Yeah. So I wrote that one down. Mm -hmm. And what what could the outcomes of that be? Yeah. And I decided to go with the third option. That's very good. That's what it says to do is go with the best option. Right. Look at your options. And if that option didn't work, then try another one, the next best one. Right. Right. Which would, in that case would be to do nothing. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's really, um, I think writing it down gets it out of your head mm-hmm. for one thing. Well, you feel like you're doing something because you are doing you something. Are. You and are. And it's way better right. than just worrying about it. Yes. It gets it out of your head. It gets it on paper. And then when you look at it on paper and you think, oh, well, of course I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, all of a sudden it made me think of that song. They're coming to take me away. Ho, ho, hee, hee, ha, ha, to the funny farm. And he talks about, you know, this right. thumbs and basket weaving and oh, just riddled with anxiety. It would remind you of that. It, yeah. Well, I, if, if people leave us today, mm-hmm. you know, leave our, our recording today with just that one takeaway, I think that's worth the price of admission. That's a win. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And speaking of our call to action, this, yeah. this is our ultimate call to action that we wanted to leave you with today. Mm-hmm. And that is to get a copy of this book, this How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Yeah. Invest in this book. Go on your Amazon thing or wherever you get your books from and just put it in your cart. 
get it get it coming to you you can buy used copies of it whatever yeah just get it i would recommend this book as well yeah yeah get both books yeah letting go of worry by dr linda mintel yeah and and not mental mental (laughs) that's funny that that's her name all right let's let's share with our audience the scripture yeah from philippians Mm -hmm. all right it's philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 and it says this do not be anxious about anything Mm -hmm. in some translations it says do not worry about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition Mm -hmm. with thanksgiving Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds mm-hmm. in Christ Jesus. I love that. I do too. You know, also, I just want to add that mm-hmm. at the back of this book, Letting Go of Worry, this doctor is, she's a Christian, and she has a ton of scriptures about worry. She has some Psalms. She has um, what uh, in Matthew, what Jesus said about worry. Mm. And so there, there's a lot in the back of the book. I think for, that's great. Yeah. Well, I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that the listeners do too. I, I think that, um, how could they not? Yeah. How could they not? Because there's hope. That's right. That's what we need. Yeah, there's always hope. For sure. We've been there. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, next week, our, our, you know, we drop episodes every Wednesday at noon, Ooh. in case you didn't know. Is it about hospitality? It is. Oh, good. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> so um, you've been listening to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.